I have to admit, I love shows like on Animal Planet and Discovery Channel. I love to see nature in, ha in action, just to see all the animals and all their lives. And the one fascinating thing that all animals have in common is the reality of their territories. I mean, you watch them, they're so focused on marking their territories, and then once they have their territory marked, they will fight to the death that you cannot come into their territory. And when it gets fight to the death time, tune me on, tune me in. YouTubes, you know, wherever it may be, I'm fascinated with the animal kingdom. But life is so much territorial. It's not just in the animal kingdom. Did you know that every day of your life, there is a territorial battle going on for your heart? Your heart is the battleground for territory, where everything is trying to stake claim to your heart. You know, the battle is fierce. The battle is significant. And how we act out reflects the reality of our hearts. Jesus said this. We can't escape it. Who you are, how you act out, the choices you make, the words you use, really reflects the reality of your heart and the condition of your heart. That's what Jesus says. And the problem is, what sticks claims to our heart is typically around that one thing. Every one of us has that one thing, whatever it may be, that just our heart grows to, our heart longs for, our heart gravitates towards. It holds on to it. You know, that one thing, whatever it may be, and it's different for all of us. And today we need to be honest with ourselves. What is that one thing for me? That one thing that deep down I believe that when I achieve this, then I will be happy. When I get this, then I will be happy. When I experience this or become this, then I will be happy. And the problem is this. All that stuff is temporary. We base all of our happiness on things that don't last. But they're things that one thing consumes us, it controls us, and then before you know it, it affects everything about you. Your attitude, your choices, your decisions, your words, how you treat people, how you interact with people, everything is impacted by that. And the more that one thing stakes claim of your heart and wins the territory of your heart, the Bible calls this and classifies it as your heart becoming hardened. You probably have read about that if you read the Bible. You've seen some places where the Bible says, like with Pharaoh and Saul, when God hardened their hearts. What does that mean? That's a challenging verse. Well, what that means is simply this. God already knows. He knows our hearts. He knows the territorial battle that's going on within our hearts. And he allows things just to play out. You see, God will always do the miraculous, but he always requires us to do what's practical. And oftentimes, because the battle gets so fierce for our hearts, we are unwilling to do what is practical to run towards him. And we just fall towards whatever consumes our hearts. And the Bible says that our hearts get hardened. And as it gets hardened, it affects everything about us. Our choices, our decisions, the way we act out, the way we just lose our control when anger bursts come out. We have fits of rage, all that different stuff, which oftentimes is the reality and the reflection of your heart and that one thing that's got you. That one thing that now has staked its claim. The battle is real. You know, this is a very real spiritual battle. 
the things that are staking claim of our heart. And the truth is, our heart and our mind is so closely intertwined with each other. We can't separate the two. You see, what consumes your mind controls your heart. And what controls your heart directs your thoughts. It's just this, this endless cycle that we are in. It all starts here. It gets down and stakes its claim in your heart. And then as it stakes more and more claim in your heart, then it begins to consume your thoughts that then controls and dictates your actions and how you conduct your life and which direction you go. The mixture of our heart and our mind is extremely, extremely powerful. And it all begins by the battle of your heart, the territorial battle that is going on beyond what you can see for the reality and for the, for the control of your heart. So what is your heart chasing? What is that one thing? We all have that one thing that our heart is chasing, that we believe this will make me happy. And in our society, because of this, we've been led to believe and we've convinced ourselves that everything about life, everything about me living is all surrounded with the pursuit of happiness. And that's what we dictate our lives around. That's what we think, well, this is our one shot at life, and so let's make sure we're happy. Right? Let's go after that. And what makes you happy? The struggle is this. The things that you and I define that makes us happy are all within the physical world. What is temporary? Things that don't last. And if we be quite bluntly... Most of our happiness is attached to some sort of pleasure, personal pleasure. That may feel good or seem right in the moment, but that moment never lasts. Everything we chase to achieve happiness in life, it may bring some sort of temporary happiness for a moment, but the moment never lasts. It always, always fades away but we've led ourselves to believe we need to go after that we pursue ourselves what we feel will bring us pleasure by defining that we mean will bring us happiness in our life but all those things are temporary they just go away what you feel what feels good today will be gone tomorrow what's pleasurable in this moment will be a disappointment tomorrow what you've gained today tomorrow will be rusted and broken down and needs fixed up what you thought was beautiful today, tomorrow becomes old and wrinkly and gray. And my friends, we are all, all in the same boat, in a serious, serious crisis. The pursuit of happiness through self-pleasures and the pursuit of ourselves consumes every one of us. We all have that one thing that deep down we are chasing. That we believe when I get that, when I get there, then I will be happy. And then before you know it, because all those things are temporary, temporary pleasures, temporary satisfactions, temporary happiness, and they just come and go, you might achieve that, but then tomorrow you realize, it didn't last. I need to go after it again. And again, and again, and we just make our lives about this pursuit of endless chasing be, uh, around things that are temporary, that don't last, and it becomes almost like an addiction. The pursuit of happiness has become an addiction to us. 
And what it does, when things become an addiction, you know what it does? It fires off all these endorphins in our brain. It, it sends off all these, these waves that are going off in your brain that, you know, when you, when you get this, whatever it is for addiction, just fires it off. And it's like, oh, it becomes a craving. I need that. And then when it's gone, I need that again. And we just go after it and after and after and after because all those endorphins are firing. And within our brains, it's convinced our heart that we're not happy unless we achieve that and gain that or experience that. Until I'm there, I'll never be happy. And it just fades. And before we know it, we're just constantly in the cycle, never being fully satisfied. Chasing, 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 chasing. What's that one thing for you? What is that one thing for you. Because it never sustains, does it? Maybe you grab, grab, grabbed a hold of that one thing at some point in your life and it was good for a moment, but you're looking back and like, it didn't last. Why am I still empty? Why am I still searching? Why am I still broken? You know, just all this does, this constant chasing, it just continues to weigh me down disappointment, brokenness, just beat down. And the challenge is that one, you know, each of those steps that we think, it's not that big of a deal, I'm just kind of going to try this for a moment. That, that one thing in by itself, it may not be all that horrible. I, I want to have Matthew Cross come back up here on the stage for a moment. Matt, come up here. Here's the deal. This backpack represents you. In all of our lives, we walk around with this backpack that we carry. The backpack is our experiences and our choices and the things that we chase in life. You know, the happiness that we're trying to pursue, that we think deep down will give us everything we're looking for, and, and we start to find ourselves bought into the worldly mindset that we're chasing all things that are physical, and temporary to achieve my happiness. And we take these steps, and each step becomes another stake in my heart that takes claim of my heart. And in by itself, one step, it might not be seem like that bad. You know, Bill, I, I want to get the best GPA. My life is all centered around where I go to college. And I put that in there, because that will bring me happiness. And that's all about my job and, 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 and everything else. You know, I, I kind of go after this. And, and if I can really achieve this and become a CEO or, or whatever, I can achieve all the things that the world provides and the house and the car and everything else, then I'll be happy. And it's just all the choices that come into place that controls my heart there. In the darker places of our lives, we have these sexual fantasies and things like that. And we think, boy, if I act out with these ways, then I'll find happiness. Or I want to be the big sports star. Everything is about kind of achieving that and going after that and making that my life. And I got to get all these scholarships and do all this, and that weighs me down. Or, or you know what, I just... You know, my appearance is so important. I mean, I don't say it to people, but I look on social media, on, on Instagram and Snapchat and other places, and I see everybody, and, you know, I want to make 
I want to be accepted. And so I spend 50 hours every morning just to make sure my hair is straight and my, my eyelashes are all straight and whatever else I have to do to make sure I look good. So when people go out, they're like, wow, you are cool because look at the clothes you wear. Look at the hairstyle you have because my appearance is just so important. And before you know it, all these things in by itself, that, that one choice, that one step by itself might not have been the end all be all horrible thing choice of your life. But the problem is they all stack together. Over. The pursuit doesn't end. The cycle doesn't end. And before we know it, you doing okay, Matthew? Matthew's too strong of a guy. I need to, give, I need to put this whole bucket back here. But before you know it, while the one rock was like, you know what? I can handle this. But it didn't stop there. The problem really becomes when we become stacking them on top of each other, on top of each other, on top of each other. And then before you know it, though each one resembles another claim, a stake in your heart. I got you. I got you. I got you. And so many of us, because of that pursuit of that one thing, whatever it is in your life, your life is completely weighed down. Because it's just a compilation of all the rocks that you put in your back. Matt, thank you so much for coming up here. What's that one thing for you? What are the choices you've been making in your life that have just been building up? And maybe you're right now saying, boy, Maya, who you okay, Matthew? <laughs> all those choices that one by itself may not have been the worst thing in the world. But now you're looking back and it's like, I just completely filled my backpack of life with all this stuff that I've been chasing. And it's never satisfied me. I'm not fulfilled. I'm still unhappy. I'm still broken. I'm emotionally beat down. And I, now I have all this weight I'm carrying. And I just don't know what to do. Some of you might be there in this moment. Because that's how it happens. Each step towards these pursuits just stakes another claim of our heart. And consumes us and controls us, all based around the belief that these things, that one thing, whatever it may be, is the end-all, be-all of happiness in my life, but it never sustains. It never lasts. Guys, listen to me today. Sustainable happiness is found with the adjustment of our hearts and our minds to chase what is eternal rather than what is physical. That's, you want to sustain happiness in your life? That's what it is. And to be even more clear with you guys, when we talk about sustainable happiness, you know what the biblical word for that is? Joy. That's what the Bible describes as joy. That's what we're all searching for. Just regular temporary happiness just comes and goes with life. But you can have something that sustains. Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your, your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You see what Paul is highlighting here? The reality of how intertwined your heart and your mind is. It's so closely entwined. And it's just a battle within. And what wins the battle of your mind overtakes your heart. That's where it all starts. It starts here. That's where Satan is always working. To work in your mind, to, to, to control your thoughts, to gravitate your thoughts towards that one thing. 
that we think, I can't live without this. I have to be this. I have to achieve this. Whatever that may be. Because in our mind, we think, then I will be happy. Then I will be fulfilled. But it's all temporary. None of it lasts. See, it all begins by setting our heart and our minds on things above. But then before you know it, because we get pulled into the current of the world, and my friends, the current of the world is it's strong. It's fierce. It's all-consuming if you're not careful. And because we just kind of go with the flow sometimes, Whatever seems right, whatever, you know, if that's going to make me happy for this moment, and we just add another rock in there, we just caught up in the flow. We're going with the flow of the, of the world, believing that happiness is found in all these personal pleasures. I mean, deep down, let's be honest, guys. Deep down, we believe that happiness is found in finding pleasures for ourselves. Can we just be real? I'm, I wrestle with it too. I'm not going to lie. We're all there. We're all there at some level. We all have that one thing. And then before you know it, because the current goes so strong, we chase these things. This chase becomes our life. This chase becomes our drive, our motivation. It becomes our identity. And then before you know it, you don't even realize the territorial battle that's going on for your heart. But all of a sudden, just like that your heart has been taken control of. It's been consumed. And then when it starts here, it goes down here and consumes here, and then it goes right back up and then controls all your thoughts. All your thoughts. Everything that you think about and drive about is towards that one thing. And then before you know it, your actions, your attitude, how you live your life, everything then follows that. Guys, this is all spelled out in the Bible. That's how it goes. That's the battle that we're all in. The more these things take claim of our heart, the more it consumes our mind, and the more it drives our actions. That's why Paul wrote in Colossians 3, set your minds, set your hearts on things above. Because if we don't, our minds will quickly and easily shift towards the whatever that one thing is. And, and at first glance, that one thing may not be that bad. But it's a shift away from the priority of Jesus in our heart and our mind. And then it just begins to develop. It's kind of like cultivating our life and our values based upon him. Based upon biblical principles in our life. That's what we're really doing. You know, we talked about this uh, last week. And I encourage you, if you've missed last week's message, to go back there on YouTube at Impact Pittsburgh and catch, it up, catch up with yourself. Because all this intertwines together. It's cultivating, it's planting that seed and watering and making it grow. It's just like gardening. I'm not a big gardener, and to be honest, if you ask me to take care of something outside, I'll probably kill it. I'm not good at it. But when I do try to garden, I realize, okay, to start, i got to plant the seed. i got to do all this stuff to make it grow. That's what we talked about last week. But here's the challenge. There's always a battle in gardening that I absolutely despise, and you probably do too. It's the reality of weeds. I hate weeds. Let's say it together. I hate weeds. Okay, thank you for the therapy session. 
Because you can't do anything. They're always back. They're always there. I mean, I'll go out there and spend hours pulling weeds. I'll, I'll, I'll put out those, those blankets that they have for, out there. I'll do all that work, and those blankets may work for a season or two, but those pesty weeds always find their way to come back. Why? Oh, it's, it's a mystery. Because there's always in gardening the battle with weeds. And if you don't take time to go out there regularly to cultivate the plants... And to take care of the weeds, before you know it, the weeds will control the garden. They will take over. It is inevitable. And the same is true in your spiritual walk. When Paul says set our hearts and our minds on things above, he's talking about cultivating our life and our values based upon Jesus and his biblical principles. That's what Paul is saying. Because if we don't, there will always be weeds. In your life, you will always be dealing with weeds, spiritually speaking. And at first glance, they seem small. They seem easy to take. I mean, when you pull out a weed in the garden, when you get out there immediately, they're small. Boom, I can pull it right out. But when I let it grow, it's like I need a shovel to dig that thing out. Because it's taking root in the garden. And sometimes we allow just the weeds to fester in our lives that have now taken root in our heart and the weeds have taken over. And the weeds are, spiritually speaking, all the voices and all the influences that overwhelm this world. And guys, you can't be naive. They're real. They're powerful. They're convincing. And they're deceiving. When we set our minds on things above, set our hearts on things above, what Paul is saying is here, it gives us the ability to cultivate our heart and our mind so that when those weeds come, we can cultivate it. We can pull them. We can deal with them. The weeds will not win my heart. But if we don't, and we just go with the flow of the current of the world, your mind will naturally drift away from setting your mind on things above and cultivating those life and those values towards whatever that one thing that consumes your heart. That's the spiritual battle we're all in. You see, my friends, we have to find the ability when the weeds come to navigate through it, to garden and cultivate the garden of our heart and our mind. Sustainable happiness will never, hear me guys, hear me out. Sustainable happiness will never, ever, 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 ever be found in chasing that one thing that consumes your heart. It may bring you some happiness for a moment, but I promise you that moment will come and go. Happiness, sustainable happiness is only found in the pursuit of Jesus himself. When we set our minds and our hearts on things above when we experience him, when we allow Jesus to be the one to stake claim to our heart. Because something is always fighting to stake claim to your heart. And if you just kind of go with the flow, whatever seems right in the moment, you better believe something is trying to stake claim to your heart. Pursuing happiness through him uh, is, is sustainable, but pursuing happiness through that one thing, through what is temporary, it never satisfies you know, like when I was younger, 
I drank way too much Coca-Cola Classic. I mean, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and everywhere in between, give me a Coke. And I fell prey to the 80s commercial that said, quench your thirst. Here you go. Drink this Coca-Cola Classic. But here's a problem. Boy, did it taste good. But never once, never once did it quench my thirst. I was always still thirsty later. And the same is true spiritually speaking. All these things, all the weeds that grow, a lot of times they sound good. They may bring some temporary happiness. I'll give you that. But it won't last. It won't sustain. Nothing will satisfy the thirst of your soul like the water of life that is Jesus himself. Nothing will. Nothing will. Set your heart and your mind on things above. Don't allow the world to influence us and pull us away. My friends, what is that one thing for you? What is staking claim to your heart? What is becoming the all-consuming thing that you deep down in your mind think, I need to get this or achieve this or become this to be happy? What is that? Because our actions and attitudes are reflection of the, of the health of our hearts. This is all about your spiritual heart health. And how you live out your life reflects the health of your heart. Jesus said this. Luke 6, he says, what comes out of your mouth in your life reflects the reality of your heart. You can't run away from it. Your life represents your heart. And that's what Paul is describing here in Colossians chapter 3. When, we, when there is a takeover of your heart, when these weeds fester and grow, and there's a takeover of your heart, before you know it, your life, your choices, your actions reflect that. And then all of a sudden you're making all these choices and bring upon bad consequences and experiencing bad things in your life because of the choices you live, you're making. And then when we all do that, we all then fall to the next struggle. And that is we begin to blame. Well, see, I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I feel emotionally down. I have these consequences in my life, not because of I've lost the battle of my heart, but because of what they did, because of what that person did. And before you know it, we all fall prey to the blame game. Our experiences is everybody else's fault. And we never are willing to look in the mirror and say, I didn't cultivate. I did not cultivate. And the weeds have overgrown. We're all there. We're all there. You know, it's like, think about when a storm, a heavy storm comes through the area. And inevitably, when you drive through after a big storm, a big windy storm, you walk around, you see the trees that have been blown down by the storm. But what really knocked that tree down? Was it the wind? Or was it that the root system of that tree became so weakened that now the wind beat it? You see, I think that's a struggle for us. We're always faced storms in our life. And when our root system is weak and broken or not there, when the storm comes, the storm will knock us down. The storm will win. 
But when Paul says to set our hearts and our minds on things above, allow him to cultivate our life. He will develop and strengthen our root system so that when the storms come, and they will, when bad days are faced, and you will have them, when hardships and heartbreak comes around the corner, that, will, that day will come. When that moment comes, you will have the root system to withstand the storm. Sustainable happiness. Paul put it this way as we continue on in Colossians 3, verses 3 through 5. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You see, here Paul is kind of getting down to it now. The things that we chase after, the temporary things this world leads us to believe that will bring happiness in our life, that stakes claim to our heart, that consumes us, and then becomes our driving force, everything about us, are one of these one things. We believe these things will bring happiness to us, pleasures that we think will sustain happiness in our life, but they never last. And Paul says, you want sustained happiness? You want to develop a healthier and a healthier emotional and spiritual you? In order to have this, you need to have a new life in him. Put to death these old things. We talked a lot about this last week. And, and if you want to really understand what we're talking about by putting to death, go back and listen to last week's message on YouTube. It's, it's dying to your old self in order to rise again. But to rise again, we must die. That's what Paul's saying here. And then he says, put to death. You know, it's the most basic understanding. Death means separate, to separate. When we die physically, our spiritual self separates from our physical self. And then the Bible also talks about a spiritual death. Spiritual death is when our spiritual selves separate from God for all eternity. We do not have to face that. The Bible teaches us that when we give our lives to Jesus and follow him, we will experience new life in him, and we will not experience that spiritual death. And so when Paul's using the term here, put to death, what he's saying is, is we need to separate ourselves. When we put our minds and our hearts on things above, we need to separate our hearts and our minds from these things that become the one thing our heart chases. That's what Paul's saying. All those rocks we put in our bag. And that one thing that you, you chase after, Paul highlighted all the categories that probably falls under. Sexual immorality, greed, impurity, evil desires. All the one things that we chase, that we have been led to believe brings happiness in our lives, all falls under one of these categories. Paul's going right after it. He's saying all these things are temporary, all these things are, don't last, and all these things will not bring you what you are looking for. You will not experience sustainable joy in them or happiness. And what Paul is saying is, when you give your life to Jesus, when you choose to follow him, that's not your life anymore. See, before him, that one thing, that was your driving force. That was your identity. That was what everything about you was all about. But that's not you anymore in him. That's what Paul's saying. When you give your life to him, when you die to your old self and you rise again in that new person, that's 
not you anymore. You've got something better. You've got a stronger root system in your life. This is who you used to be. But you separate your heart and your mind from those things and from those pursuits to pursue him. You see, my friends, to maintain a healthy heart, we must separate our focus from the pursuit of temporary self-happiness and pursue him. That's where it's found. In Jesus. And Paul says, you used to walk this way. These used to be the things that consumed you and control you, but not anymore. So rid yourself of it, Paul says in the next few verses. Stop doing it. Stop allowing your mind to drift towards those things. Stop allowing your thoughts to drift towards those things. Be focused to allow your heart and your mind to be set on things above. Because this will affect everything about you. Everything about you is affected by this. Your physical self, your emotional self, your spiritual self, and within all your relationships is all affected by the reality of this territorial battle of your heart. All of it. Paul put it this way in verses 8 through 9. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And the verse before that, he says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. See what Paul's saying here? See, Paul's going through the progression of what happens naturally in the spiritual battle. As these things stake claim to your heart... And then you find yourself consumed in your life with this drive and with this focus and with this ambition to pursuing all this. Then before you know it, what, as it controls your heart and then consumes your thoughts and comes out in your life, it starts to come out and reveals itself through anger, fits of rage, lying, deceit, dishonesty, all those things that Paul, Paul said there. He says, Get rid of that lifestyle. Get rid of those attitudes. Get rid of that person. That's not who you are. So stop walking that way. Jesus did not create you to find sustainable happiness through self-pleasures. Jesus created you. And he died for you. So that you find the sustainable joy through the reality of him in your life. That's. What his focus is. Because in him, the joy sustains even in the middle of the storm. The joy sustains beyond what this world provides. It's all through him. And we need to break free from this endless cycle that's just weighing us down. As we get caught up in this cycle. You see, my friends, sustainable happiness is obtained in the wisdom found in the image of the invisible God. His name is Jesus. If you've been following along this message series, everything builds up from this. From Colossians 1 to 2 to 3, everything centers around this reality. And go back to the first week that we talked about, the reality of the image of God and the wisdom that we bring and, and how we can live that out in our life. Paul wrote this in Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. This is the cultivation of Jesus and his biblical principles in our life and our values and taking that into our life and living it. 
See, wisdom is applying the knowledge. It's living out what God says. It's saying, okay, this is what the Bible says to do, and so I'm going to start to try to live that out in my life. I'm going to set my heart and my mind on things above to be in his presence and then learn how this affects how I live, the choices I make, how I conduct my life. That's what he's saying there, the cultivation of that. See, it's no good just to know Bible stuff. That's just knowledge. There's a lot of people in this world that has knowledge that doesn't get it. Wisdom is taking what you know and applying it to your life. That's what Paul's talking about here. Who cares if you know everything if you're not living it? Because until you live it, you don't get it. And you won't experience him. Following Jesus. Guys, hear me out today. Listen to me. Following Jesus is the path to bringing sustainable happiness to your life. We're all searching for that. You want the answer? It's in him. It's living out what he says in your life. And let me tell you something. The Bible is not just a thing that proves this. There have been recent multiple secular studies that have revealed the reality of living out biblical principles in your life. Studies from places like Harvard, Ohio State University, Vanderbilt, UCLA, just to name a few, have all done studies. And what they have found collectively is this. People, listen to this, they have found that those who live out biblical principles in their life are happier, live longer, experience better fortunes in their life, are more generous, are, are more compassionate, bring more peace to the community. And the list goes on. Guys, these are secular studies with no influence from the biblical sense at all. But they're all finding the reality that God's been saying for thousands of years. Apply what I say to your life and you will experience the sustainable happiness that is joy throughout your life. And you will spread it. The world and all their studies keep circling back around to that reality. And I challenge you, if you're not doing it, to give it a try. Give it a try. And, and here's the big issue, guys. Here's the scary side to this. If we don't separate ourselves, like Paul is saying, from the influences that are from the weeds that surround us, and we allow all these things to overtake our mind and take stake of our heart, we then are choosing to separate ourselves from Jesus and what he wants to give to you in your life. So when you're sitting around and living life your own way, and you're saying, well, Jesus is never there. No, he was always there. You made the choice. Or you made the choice by just going with the flow. Because it will happen naturally. You are choosing what you are separating yourself from. And that choice leads to what you will experience in your life. 
Paul says, separate yourself. Put to death these things. Set your heart and your mind on things above so that he will cultivate in you and develop that strong root system in turn so that you will experience the sustainable happiness that you all are searching for and myself included. We're all searching for that. You know, and it develops something in our life, a peace that lasts forever. You know, this journey that Paul's talking about is the journey of holiness. You know, holiness is just a Bible fancy word that means to set apart. That's what it means. So in my life, in my journey, I'm setting my heart and my mind on things above so that I set my life apart from everything else around me. So that I experience what he gives to me rather than what the world claims to provide. To cultivate our values and life on things above is to adjust our focus on what is eternal rather than what's on physical. That, that's temporary. That's the big adjustment. Stop pursuing and believing that your happiness is found in everything in this world that provides that it doesn't last. And start adjusting your focus to what is eternal and chasing him. Paul writes in verses 12 through 15, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other, uh, one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. This is a fashion redesign. You know, Paul is saying here, we need a new spiritual wardrobe. Have you ever just gone through a season of life where it's like, I'm changing my wardrobe. When I graduated from high school and went to college, it's like, no one knows me. I'm changing my do. I'm changing my look. And guys, I looked hideous. I was, I was weird. But we all go through those seasons, right? Paul's saying here, spiritually speaking, we need to change our wardrobe. Because we used to be people, because of our, what we pursued in all the temporary world, be people who allow anger to get the best of us. Fits of rage, jealousy, greed, uh, dishonesty, and all those things. That used to be me. That used to be my wardrobe. But not anymore. My wardrobe now needs to be compassion and goodness and self-control and all those things that Paul listed there. Because this is the beginning of a renewed heart that we clothe ourselves with. And what Paul highlights here is then you walk this path. You know what it develops? It develops an all-encompassing peace. Tells me what we're searching for in our happiness, aren't we? Peace in our hearts. Peace in our relationships. Peace in our community. And the more we chase ourselves the more we run away from the peace that God's trying to give to us. But you see, when we set our hearts and our minds on him, we fashion our lives with compassion and goodness, all of that list he said. Then you begin to experience the peace you're all searching for in your heart, in your relationships, and in your community. My friends, it will spread. It will spread. Why Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. Allowing peace, the peace of Christ to rule in your hearts develops the peace in our lives that we're all seeking. 
And it's all bound together under the supremacy of love. That's what Paul said. Love is what binds all this together. Everything about Jesus, all his commands are all summed up in love. Love God and love others. Everything flows from that. Everything is bound from that. It's like the super glue. Love is the super glue that pulls it all together. Remember those old 80s infomercials? Check this one out. And what's truly amazing, our Flex Super Glue is so strong that just one drop, one single drop, virtually welds itself to the surface. Check it out! That one single drop of Flex Super Glue can easily lift over three tons. Forget those old super glues. Get the new Flex Super Glue because it works. Oh, yeah, get the Flex Super Glue because it works. I got to go get me some. Oh, it takes one little dab and it holds all those bricks. And that's what Paul's saying about love. It seems like all this weight I'm carrying, I just can't do it. You can't. But it's with love that binds it all together. Love God, love others, walk that out, set our hearts on things above, set our minds on things above, and then we will experience it. It's love that's the super glue that pulls us all together. My friends, love is what guides. Love is what solves all the problems that you are facing. Love is lived out when we set our hearts and our minds on what is eternal rather than chasing all these things that are temporary that we think bring us happiness. Love is lived out when Jesus becomes the ruler of our hearts than just a good thing that we sometimes dabble in. Love is lived out when we fashion ourselves in the virtues of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. And when love is lived out, then peace is experienced. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you because of what you've done for us. We didn't deserve it, but you came to this world and died on the cross for us anyways. And Lord, so many of our lives are surrounded by hurt and brokenness. And if we're honest, so much of it is because we're chasing our own happiness. We're chasing that one thing that we think is the end-all, be-all to bring fulfillment in our life when it's really you. Lord, right now, help us to stop chasing that one thing and chase you. Help us to set our hearts and our minds on the things above so that you will cultivate our life. So that we won't be people who walks around with bad attitude or acting out in ways that are opposite of your heart or becoming people who are full of anger and fits of rage and, and, and liars and everything else. But Lord God, we don't walk that way anymore. Help us to be people that walk in compassion and truth and goodness and peace and strength. Help us to experience you and your joy. Lord, motivate us toward your heart. It's in your name we pray. Amen.